0: Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I am Michael Bull and I appreciate you being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or give me a call personally. Well, we have an interesting show for you today. We're going to talk about the office market. I think the office market is very interesting because it's always been a great class for investors to buy in, both small and large properties. We're also seeing a lot of changes in the way corporations use space. And uh, we're also seeing some changes uh, in the economy. The economy is going strong. Uh, But what's happening in the office market? How is it performing? Uh, How are sales volumes doing? How are cap rates doing? Also, we're going to talk to uh, some folks and talk about some ways to market office properties. We're going to talk about some technology, so we have a lot in store for you. Please welcome my first guest. this Jim Costello, and he is Senior VP with Real Capital Analytics, and he's joining us on Skype. Thank you for having me here. Oh yes, thanks for being with us, Jim. So, um, Jim, let us, let's talk about the office market. You guys track the, the office sales volume and cap rates and things uh, very well. What, what are you seeing? What's the trend?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it a great timing, uh, we published a report looking at trends through Q3 last night and deal volume is up. It's up for the year. Uh, the, the challenge though, is that there's ch- uh, differences in terms of where transaction activity is happening through most of this cycle, since the end of the global financial crisis, investors have really been focused on CBD office activity. Uh, that is starting to shift. Uh, the the deal volume of late has becoming uh, uh, much more focused on suburban areas.
0: And is that focused on suburban area because they're chasing yield, or is it because maybe there's less CBD product available?
1: Uh, I think there's a few reasons. You've touched on two of them. There is an asset uh, availability issue. So many of the high-quality office buildings in CBD locations have transacted in this cycle that There's not uh, enough blood left in the stone to squeeze out for that next uh, investor. And so uh, owners uh, who are holding those now are probably uh, uh, more reticent to sell. Uh, There is also an issue, though, of uh, better yield in some of the suburban locations. Cap rates have been squeezed to record lows in most areas, but there's still a little bit more yield on offer in these suburban locations. And then I think there's also, though, a big generational change. One of the first things that started happening in the early part of the cycle was investors looking at these CBD locations uh, with the notion that this is the area where the millennials want to live, work, and play. Uh, That's more than 10 years ago where that trend started. And in 10 years, you know, the 20-somethings have become 30-somethings. Some of them are pairing off and having families. And that's when you move to the suburbs. So there's a growing awareness, the fact that the labor force is moving that direction, and that creates uh, activity for investors to take
0: advantage of that trend in suburban locations. Okay. And, of course, the cap rates will change from somewhat quarter to quarter, depending on what assets actually sell, but what are the trend? Are, are you seeing cap rates level out? Are they rising? What do you see? Well,
1: the cap rates in... Uh, All areas for the office market are somewhat flat at this point, Uh, whether you're in the suburban locations or in CBD locations, they have reached record lows. Uh, The expectation on the part of many investors is that you can't see so much more of a cap rate decline. The issue here is uh, we're facing uh, a higher interest rate environment. a difference, so between the two uh, geographies, if you think about suburban locations versus CBD locations, prices uh, have grown more slowly in the last quarter in the CBD, CBD locations than in suburban. Uh, uh, suburban locations, uh, you know, a little bit uh, closer to 8% uh, year-over-year price growth uh, versus uh, the low single digits for, uh, for CBD locations. There's just not as much pressure on the part of uh, buyers being as aggressive at this point uh, to get into uh, the, these big CBD office towers and bid up the prices.
0: And overall, when you look at the market, are you seeing good NOI growth at this point?
1: You know the uh, the NOI figures. That's not something that we we track as much. I don't have uh, anything off you There, sorry.
0: Yeah, but you're seeing, you're tracking the cap rates and you're tracking the prices, so is it the, are the prices uh, uh, going up a little bit? You said the, flat, the cap rates are fairly flat, but are you seeing prices rise some?
1: Yeah, prices are rising some, the uh, stronger price growth in the suburban locations than in the CBD locations, and you can infer the NOI growth between those by looking at the uh, uh, differences of cap rate trends. And so you infer that suburban locations have stronger NOI growth. Um, I don't have that directly measured,
0: though. And when investors uh, are looking at the different asset classes uh, to allocate funds for, how do they feel about the office uh, sector right now? What's what's your feel there? The
1: office sector, one thing that is uh, curious, we've seen for 2018 so far, A tremendous amount of portfolio and entity level transactions. Uh, It's raising a specter of 2007 where that was also a big driver of the market. That was a big driver of the market uh, to the detriment of the investment market in 2008 to 2010 uh, because investors had piled into the sector uh, with abandon uh, and without uh, cautious underwriting standards. Uh, But so today you have a different type of investor coming in also doing these uh, big portfolio portfolio and entity level deals, but you don't see as much of that for the office sector. That's one area where the office sector is very different from, uh, every other uh, property sector. Um, the activity for the office sector is really focused on the acquisitions of one building at a time. In fact, if we go into the suburban locations, when you look at that, so-called single asset sale market, uh, where it's one investor buying one building deal volume there is at a record high level. We've never seen transaction activity involving single asset sales in the office sector as high as it is today. Uh, it was definitely not this high back in 2007 when investors were buying anything uh, you know, th- that just shows that strength of uh, suburban investor interest.
0: Yeah. Now you said you just spent a lot of time in finishing up your third quarter reports for the office sector. So, what else did you glean from uh, doing that? What, what else? What are the other trends you're noticing? One thing that, that I find uh, very interesting is the way every market is
1: moving uh, to its own beat. Uh, you have uh, think about the last cycle where you hit a peak on deal volume everywhere. And then everybody went through the same type of drastic decline right now. You have some areas that are recovering from their own local economic uh, changes uh, and others starting to see a slowing in deal volume as investors come to grips with uh, changes in the marketplace. So, for instance, Manhattan, biggest office market in the United States. in 2017, deal volume fell uh, at high double-digit rates. You had a change in market expectations. Chinese investors had started pulling back in 2016 and in 2017. Yeah, They hadn't bought everything in the market before that, but they had changed the expectation the investors had on pricing. And as that uh, class of investors pulled away because of capital controls back in China, uh, the market stalled. Uh Now, however, there's been a slight upward adjustment in cap rates for Manhattan, and that was enough to bring investors off the sideline and deal volumes rebounding at double-digit rates. Uh, Now, we've seen similar kind of uh, uh, investor price reactions in other markets. Uh, Let's look at Texas. Texas, uh, you have Dallas and Houston, two biggest markets there, very different trends. Uh, Houston, you go back a couple years, everybody was afraid about oil and deal volume stalled for a while uh, as investors were worried about uh, oil price changes kind of taking the wind out of Houston Uh, the funny thing though is that Houston is not uh, the 1970s Houston for, for oil and eventually deal volume recovered because investors saw the yield opportunity but now cap rates are coming back down because Uh, Everybody has jumped in, they realize that uh, the water's great and they're, uh, you know, seeing some opportunities there. Dallas is different than both of them with uh, facing that challenge of cap rates coming down, coming down, coming down. And investors now being coming a little bit more cautious, worrying about what happens next with interest rate increases. So that difference between three big markets like that, it, it tells me that what we're seeing today is very different from the last market peak where we hit a peak and everything started to slide. Uh, There were common global credit market factors taking the wind out of every market. Today, what's happening to change markets or to continue to drive markets, it's about the strength of the number of bidders active in that city and investor interest in the assets on offer. Yeah,
0: and that sounds like a more healthy environment, right? (laughs)
2: Yeah,
1: definitely. Uh, it, it's not the type of, uh, uh, you know, 2007 into 2009, you know, we had a credit crunch underway. Yeah. And uh, today there are, uh, you know, some signs that people get cautious about because they see these large entity level deals overall. And that sets off some warning bells. They see cap rates as low as ever. And that sets off some warning bells. But there's a very deep pool of lenders and they're doing things at much more cautious uh, levels than they had back in the last cycle.
0: Yeah, and that's a healthy thing too. So what would you leave our audience with to think about the office sector, Jim? You
1: know, the office sector in terms of where investor interest is located is changing. I uh, can't stress enough, the suburban areas are coming back. Uh, many people had written them off uh, just a few years ago, thinking that everything would be a CBD type focus to the future. But the late, you know, companies follow labor and labor is focused on uh, uh, the suburbs to an increasing degree at this point, just given the aging of the millennial generation. Uh, That's not to say that every office asset is the same. Uh, What we're seeing in terms of price recovery is much stronger in those suburban locales that have uh, urban feel to them. uh, A mix of land uses nearby, some walkability features, you know that old uh, office building at the end of a cul-de-sac uh, with nothing else nearby, uh, where you have to drive everywhere. Uh, that's just not getting as much attention.
0: Right. Yeah, and that makes sense. You know, I think we, we talk about cap rates and things in this on this show around the country, and obviously every every asset's different. And uh, because we we quote a maybe a six uh, cap rate or a four cap rate, <laughs> a lot of these properties that we sell properties that have cap rates from four to twelve. You know, it's like, wait a minute! On the show, you said cap rates for seven. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Yours is a four. Is that okay? <laughs> or yours is a twelve? <laughs> I know that's not okay, but I'm sorry. That's what it is, right? Yeah, and quality differences in every building. It's
1: uh, you know, it's you're not buying a bushel of soybeans here. Every bi- every building has its own unique features.
0: That's right. Well, Jim, thanks for joining us. Great information. Thank you much. If you like more information from Jim, check him out They're Real Capital analytics and uh, stay with us we'll have more on the office market as promised we're gonna talk about some technology and some marketing stay with us I'm Michael Bull and this is America's commercial real estate show
2: would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office check out Michael Bull's video training since you're a show listener you receive 10% off your first purchase at checkout use discount code CRE show Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com.
0: Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I am Michael Ball. This segment's brought to you by BOMI.org, that's B-O-M-I, they are the industry standard for training for facilities and property management. Check them out at Bomi.org. Well, today we're talking about the office market. Next, we have a great guest in studio. It's Mark Wahlberg. He is principal with Zeller Realty Group, and he's here in Studio One. Mark, thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Good to be here. So you guys own, manage, operate a lot of, of office properties around the country, and I think it's interesting, you know, when we look we talk to analysts and, and uh, economists, we get their view, but... You're in the trenches. You're there every day. I don't know what are you seeing for, for the office market uh, overall today?
2: Uh, office market is healthy right now in, in that um, our customers are, are really seeing office space as a necessary tool. There's been times in my career that it's been perceived maybe more as a necessary evil. Yeah. Um, but
0: you know, and now it's a tool.
2: It, well, yeah. it's a tool. It's yeah. it's it's almost as simple as you look at the unemployment numbers and you realize that there are not enough workers, skilled workers, to fill the jobs available in office buildings, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so customers, tenants are using office space, their environment, uh, as a way to recruit and retain talent. And, um, and, that, and that's a little bit different. I think people have always used that to some extent, but now it's really come to the forefront.
0: Yeah, and what are some trends you see there uh, in design or in space usage that, that companies are being able to retain and, and uh, recruit? Sure,
2: uh, it, probably the primary uh, trend has been uh, less me space, more we space. Mm-hmm. So less walls, opening up the environment so people can interact. In in many respects, it's it's almost going back to an old urban trend of just people being on the street and bumping into each other, casual collisions that would happen. Mm -hmm. Well, since we don't walk on the street as much anymore, uh, how, how can we produce that inside our space? How can we produce it inside the office building that we're at? So there's more interaction, more sharing of ideas, concepts, and trying to promote that by the environment. As opposed to, obviously, individual offices promote individuals working on individual tasks. Yeah. And so getting away from that and using office based to promote it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. We have a game room here in our office with a pool table and darts and things. And, and sometimes the guys have their heads down and, and the ladies, and they're doing deals all day. But then they come in there and shoot a game and pull. All of a sudden now there's another transaction going to work right. and because they are together. Yeah. That's a good point. What about square footage per employee. It seems like we were cramming everyone in. What are you seeing for the latest trends there?
2: See, I I think efficiency is still a key word but maybe the definition of efficiency has changed because Mm -hmm. just like what I said about office space as a tool, if you talked about metrics maybe 10 years ago people were talking about well it was 250 uh, square feet per employee, now it's 200, how much smaller can it get? I think I had my epiphany when I went to a a large tech company in San Francisco. And I looked at their bench space. I'm like, wow, this is, I don't know, maybe this is one person for every 125 square feet. And the facilities person said, stop. We actually have another entire work space for each individual on this floor. And so rather than just looking at a bench, there was a beanbag chair someplace that was an alternative place for that person to work. So Mm -hmm. as you started totaling it up, it wasn't just the size of the bench, but if you included the increased common areas, the alternative workspaces, Mm -hmm. if anything, that ratio might have started coming back up as far as employee per uh, square foot.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I haven't had, had or seen a beanbag chair in a long time. Are they coming back? Now?
2: <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, they're actually pretty comfy. Yeah, it, I just uh, I, I yeah. bought one at Target not too long yeah. ago and, and put it in my office space. I kind of yeah. like it.
0: And you just kind of lounge back. Well, they- uh, we don't lounge. Don't we, lounge. We, we don't lounge. We're we, working we, hard. Yeah,
2: we work in hard. That's exactly right.
0: <laughs> well, talk to me about construction costs, because it seems like labor materials have been steadily increasing. You guys are, you know, dealing with construction costs a lot in sure. your build-outs, how's it impacting the, the, work, the uh, business?
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's really a it's a fundamental uh, impact across the mm-hmm. board. One, because new construction ground-up, office buildings, you know, the, the newest products tends to dictate the high watermark uh, for office rent, so you, you have the high water market constantly being pushed up. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, it's both labor and, and materials and maybe labor even more so than materials in some cases. But then when you look at individual tenant build-outs, um, there's definitely a transition. I mean, you, you have a studio here that doesn't have a drop ceiling, kind of a traditional look. Um, this loft look that you have here is actually very trendy and people are going to But it's place. not cheap. Well, no, and pe- people assume, <laughs> well, geez, I don't put a drop ceiling in that. That saves something. Said, well, no, you have to take the old ceiling out. You have yeah. to, Uh, put some kind of acoustical members uh, up here. You Mm -hmm. uh, actually have to make that area look good. You have to change how the plenum works. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other costs that go with it, along with sprinklers, distribution of power. And really what we're seeing, because there's this change of how people are working, Um, that means people need to change the office environment, which means construction. Um, And so we're seeing higher and higher build-out costs, We're seeing longer and longer lease-up terms. Or, or lease terms because of that, because there needs to be a way for either the company or the landlord to amortize those costs over a longer period of time.
0: So you're seeing TI packages or just overall costs that uh, are what percentage higher, would you say, than maybe three or four years ago?
2: Oh, probably 20 to 30%. Wow, yeah. So pretty pretty significant. Yeah. But, but we're also seeing rents that are 20 to 30% higher also. So yeah. it, it kind of equates.
0: Right. And... So are you seeing a trend then towards longer uh, initial terms on these leases? You said you, you're seeing some of that. Is that kind of an overall trend? I know a lot of uh, companies that, that we represent on space, it's all about flexibility, flexibility. Mm-hmm. And that initial term, uh, it doesn't create a lot of flexibility sometimes. Well, but, but that gets back to the design of the space yeah.
2: itself. Yeah. And um, if you, as soon as you build a lot of walls, you create inflexibility, in space, as you leave space open, um, you can move functions around. You can move furniture around. Areas can kind of morph into whatever you want to. And if you really need a wall someplace in the future, it's pretty easy to to build one. Yeah. Uh, actually, taking one down, the, the demo cost because of all the systems that are affected is pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, and so there is a level of flexibility because of the design. Um, that, that people are incorporating into space.
0: Yeah, so you've seen a lot of seven, ten-year initial terms versus three and five? Yeah, yeah. It, it, exactly. Because of the construction costs, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's really what's now, driving
0: it. Now, the office environment is really an incredible place for technology uh, from top to bottom. So with all the technology out there, what excites you the most that, that you're seeing in your buildings? Um,
2: what well, Actually, what what excites me most is probably non technology, mm-hmm. um, and, and we can talk about the beanbag chairs. Well, the, the beanbag <laughs> chair. There's some heavy duty technology to figure out how you get that piece of styrofoam to support a body like mine. It's, <laughs> but we don't talk about that. Yeah. Um, when I say kind of anti technology, we uh, we're actually introducing more people into our management process, uh, specifically. We have an employee, and her focus is manager of community involvement and development. Uh, To really get tenants to interact with each other, to to kind of give tenants what they tell me on the way in, Mm -hmm. we want a more interactive community. Okay, if you want it, we're going to give it to you. Inside your space, that's your job to do it. Outside your space, that's my job to do it and the community's job to do it. So as we build things uh, in amenities areas, we're adding a kegerator so people can come down and, and have parties in that so we can sponsor events, uh, whether it be monthly, weekly, where we're going to bring somebody in, possibly like you, and, and talk about what's mm-hmm. going on in commercial real estate right mm-hmm. now. There's going to be a lot of people interested in hearing an mm-hmm. expert like you
0: mm-hmm. come in and talk. Now Give, th- th- this sounds, I like this a lot but it sounds anti-millennial, right? Everybody wants to be on their phones and use technology. Oh, no, You're talking about getting people together and talking. Uh, you know? Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's actually it's, it's very
2: uh, millennial because okay. if, if you really uh, look closely at millennials, uh, th- maybe this is the pendulum swinging backwards, mm-hmm. that they have so much time spent on the phone that they're craving personal interaction. Mm-hmm. And, and they want it. And part of the reason why we hire a person or, or stage events is because they spend so much time on the phone they really need an impetus to say get off your phone. Mm-hmm. Come on over here, let's do something that's fun where you can interact. And I, uh, I like know. that. Yeah, And, and, it, and it's yeah.
0: really happening. Yeah, I like it. So you're getting more return out of, of projects like that than you are investing in some of the latest technology.
2: No, I mean, you you really have to balance, Uh, you know, you don't want to be a one-trick pony. Uh, You know, there's things that are really just low-hanging fruit that are are simple, as in the advancements in lighting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Simply investing one time a changeover from fluorescent to LED Mm -hmm. gives you huge energy savings, gives Mm -hmm. you more flexibility with your lighting and what you can do. But that's a capital investment. Somebody has to say, we're going to spend money today to save money over the long term, provide a better environment. Um, I'm not sure if that's sexy. Certain engineers maybe think it's sexy. Now, now maybe what's a little bit more sexy is what that LED can then do, which is um, the next technology we're seeing being introduced to office buildings, both by buildings as well as tenants, are the use of sensors. Mm-hmm. Now, quite frankly, we all have a sensor that we walk around with right here, right. a little GPS device. So this GPS device um, can actually tell the building, I'm, I'm coming up to the building. I'm going to be at my workstation pretty soon. I like it 72 degrees, get my HVAC to 70 degrees. I, I prefer a warm rendering of light as opposed to a cool rendering of light. Now, a year ago, two years ago, that. I guess I would have to send an engineer and unscrew a light bulb and rescrew a new one in. Mm-hmm. With LEDs, you can actually change that rendering. With digital control on HVAC, you can make that adjustment without physically
0: having to turn uh, the autom- thermostat automatically. Or someone still has to.
2: No, you, you can Automat- actually you know link it up with this. Now yeah. it also gets back to: Do I really need my employer to know where I am every <laughs> second mm-hmm. of of the day? Mm-hmm. Um, do they need that information, and am I willing to share that information? Because employers are using it to also figure out, as we talked about the open workspace and how to make the workspace provide functionality, what spaces are really being used? I mean, I would say, you know, Michael, you have a lot of people working for you here. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much time each one of your agents spends at their desk?
0: Yeah, not enough. I mean, they're out and about a lot. So so I'm like a lot of CEOs, I think, that if you walk around your office and you see some empty space, you're like, wait a minute, I'm paying how much a foot for this empty space? Uh, It's like going to a restaurant that somebody's paying a lot of rent for to operate, and they're not open for lunch, and you're thinking, why aren't they open for lunch?
2: Well, and what you might find if you actually monitored your employees or, or the agent's work for you, that they like a certain conference room better. They give more mm-hmm. presentations in that conference room than another conference room. It might make you decide that if there's productivity from those people being in this conference room, mm-hmm. I need three of those conference rooms. Are it, you it,
0: finding this type of technology is affordable now? It's, um,
2: you know, affordability always gets back to what's the payback, right? right? right. Um, because something could be expensive, but if you have payback for it, then it's really not so expensive. Right. So. Um, because people have moved to digital controls, in the the most case, Mm -hmm. the infrastructure is there. Because people have moved to LED technology, the infrastructure is there. Now the addition of of sensors, that's going to cost some money. The integration of that into a building management system, that'll cost money. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not seeing a demand uh, for it yet from users, but you know, As we wanted to talk about where are things going, mm-hmm. this appears to be where things are going. And mm-hmm. most likely, the early adopters are actually going to be the tenants themselves, mm-hmm. and we'll piggyback onto their infrastructure, because getting back to the use of the conference room. Yeah. Tenants want to know, if I've invested this much money in this space, am I getting? Are, are my people using it right. or, or not? Because I'm going to invest money in things that yeah. make my employees productive, things that they use not invest money for things that just look pretty in a picture.
0: Yeah, well, that makes sense, and before you get out of here, I want to ask you what you're seeing with in, in your buildings and the tenants around the country related to wellness. How many of the tenants, the corporate users coming in, is wellness an, an important factor, and are they willing to, to pay for it? Um,
2: I've had this question come up actually quite a lot just in the past week. Um, if, if we talked about lead three years ago uh, because we want to make everything more energy efficient, well is starting to become very much of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of what we talked about with digital controls are actually that ability to provide a more comfortable space, presumably a more comfortable space, Uh, but but this gets back to kind of a payback. The, The easy one is for the last 10 to 15 years The proof is there that if you can get your employees involved with a fitness program, Mm -hmm. that you're going to reduce your absenteeism, uh, that you're going to increase their productivity, that you can lower your uh, insurance premiums. It's it's a real simple metric that you can start measuring. Now, as we take it to the next step of, of well, what's the measurement for that? Mm -hmm. Uh, And what's the payback for it? But um, based on this topic coming up a lot lately, I'd say that momentum is going in that direction and we tend to go in the area of momentum.
0: Yeah, what where, where your tenants are concerned about, right? And right. You know, it also helps uh, with retention, productivity, obviously. Uh, and especially as we have more people and less space. So I think if you run a business, I think you definitely want to think about Michael, wellness. Don't, don't,
2: don't, don't, don't say more people and less space. That's not what I said.
0: <laughs> more well, people, more people, more space. The CFO wants more people and less space. They want to keep cost out. Uh The CFO wants less turnover and,
2: and, and less uh, recruitment charges. They
0: want everything. Uh, they, <laughs> All right. Well, Mark, thanks for uh, being with us today. We appreciate your time and great information. Sure, Thank you. You're welcome. On well, Stay with us. We'll have more on the office market. We're going to talk about some technology and we're going to talk about some marketing. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show are you looking to buy sell or lease commercial real estate you're invited to contact bull realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com welcome back to america's commercial real estate show i'm michael bull thanks for being with us this segment is brought to you by realcrowd.com check them out for crowdfunding for commercial real estate. Well, today we're talking about the office sector, and one of the things that are changing the office sector is really technology, the way we track the office sector, the way we use office space. Please welcome my next guest, it's Duke Long, and he is founder of the Duke Long Agency, and he's joining us on the phone. Duke, thanks for being with us.
3: Hey, Michael, thanks for having me on. Uh, Love all your stuff, and uh, looking forward to it.
0: Well, Duke, thanks. and. Uh, you know, you're so involved in technology for commercial real estate. You're you're based up there in New York. So if uh, if you listeners hear a, a siren or something, he's not being pulled over. He's a, <laughs> he's in yeah. Manhattan. Up. So uh, so, dude, what do you think about these? Uh, data companies. I mean, it's real important that if you're a tenant or you're a, you're a tenant rep uh, or a landlord to kind of know what's going on and in, in the office space. And of course, CoStar's been the big giant. Uh, Acceligence kind of went away. Uh, but there's some other uh, new, new players that have kind of come into the space, right?
3: Yeah. Um, when I think about the data part, and I've kind of touched on this before a little bit, you got to think about the sources of data. And some of the companies that are out there, they're sourcing that data what I would call almost from the origination part of it, let's say from the building owners themselves, a little bit like VTS, uh, and then you have the brokerages that have the historic data that they've had for years and years that they keep up on. So I think those kinds of companies are still the stronger contenders. Um, then I say there's data that's maybe a second, second level of data that's kind of the mixed market of different aggregations of other parts and pieces. I think that's where a lot of the the tech vendors are right now. They're trying to bring different parts and pieces to this this layer to, to allow some of the brokerages and some of these investment people to kind of help make decisions. And then you have what I call kind of the third-party stuff, which is just random stuff that's out there that's sourced in ways that are very archaic mm-hmm. in today's terms. So I think it's getting very, very sophisticated. I think it's getting almost you know to the minute now. It's, uh, it's certainly going that way and uh, it 's never never not fascinating
0: yeah it, it is uh, it is incredible, and I think one thing you 've got to watch for too is that you know maybe you have access to to some systems to find some space and you're you 're a business and you need space but uh, there still it's some professionals that that do this every day, and I think in terms of residential real estate where that they 've had a lot of technology for a long time, billions invested but it seems like residential agents are still doing extremely well. And if you're, you're a company and you need office space or you're changing office space, uh, I just know from experience of dealing with great tenant reps here in my shop and other shops around the country, boy, there, there's tremendous value. And and the technology is kind of changing the way that, that tenants that use space, right? And, and think about companies like WeWork. And What do you hear out there in the, in the field about companies like WeWork, Dick?
3: Well, uh, I've been kind of, you know, somewhat of an advocate for something like WeWork, first of all, because I think, as you talk about how people use space, and I'm in and out of WeWorks all the time, um, they they think of it differently. I think they think of it as a consumer experience. Uh, They think about building a community or a tribe, for the lack of a better term. So the way they go about it is almost like every individual is a tenant. Uh, That doesn't mean that that doesn't happen in office parks outside of Nashville or whatever, but they they look at everyone as a consumer. they look at every service that that person might use as a revenue source, and that is fascinating to me i'm again I'm a big advocate for it i'm there's some people saying that you know it's they don't have X money or it's a house of cards or whatever but um uh they keep filling them up and I think they said that they're one lease away from being the largest leaser in the, the city of New York, and they're already the biggest one in London. So they're doing something, and they're filling them up, too.
0: Yeah. Well, it's an interesting model, and, uh, you know, they've got some some new competition out there. Well, what else in the technology world? Is there, are there other companies that you think that are doing a good job or that are, that are trying to get into technology uh, space for the office sector?
3: Um, I, you know, there are some other. Uh, I, when I think about, let's say, like the WeWorks of the world, mm-hmm. if, uh, let's say, they are only one or two or three percent of the entire market. That's still a humongous number. I do think that that's going to grow probably the way people work, maybe 20, 30 percent of the marketplace uh, in any market. Uh, you've got industrious that's coming in, you've got spaceful, you've got a lot of different companies trying to do that. The other thing that I find fascinating is some of the, uh, the uses of, especially within the building itself, where I think that's way underrated. Uh, all the sensors, the way people use them, uh, the efficiencies. I don't think that gets talked about enough because, it's, you know, it's not sexy to talk about companies going under. It's just how, how is someone utilizing a room? How are they? How's the HVAC working? You know, the efficiencies around the building. I think that's a huge um, growth sector for, for tech and, and commercial real estate.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, a lot of the buildings I go into, I'm— sometimes really just disappointed in in the lack of technology uh, used in some of these uh, buildings. You know, simple things like the the lights coming on and off automatically, or the, you know, having LED lighting, and and having just a lot of efficiency built into the HVAC systems, and and even into the security aspects uh, of the space. Well, you see a lot of companies that have come into tech space in commercial real estate over the years, and seems like it's not slowing down. You know, how many of these companies can can make it and be profitable?
3: Well, um, everybody, you know, it's kind of a, a little inside joke of all the people that invest in these companies. Everybody says they're going to be the platform. You know, we are the platform, and everybody's mm-hmm. going to give us all their stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's true at all. I do think that at a certain point there has to be some kind of consolidation or... Usability, and I'm thinking of uh, some a friend of mine up at that does Boston properties, and he's like, we can only buy so many pieces of technology. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they can't they can certainly afford to buy everything, but how many? What's in their stack? How many companies can get in with other companies and work together to provide that building owner or that tenant rep, you know, quality service? And how many do you really need? So I think there's a lot of copycat stuff out there. And to get to the point, it's uh, from a tech standpoint, it's all about a land grab, which is ironic, but it's all about market share. So if somebody's out there, let's say, again, you know, I bring up BTS or all these different companies, if they're out there gaining market share and dominating, then they're probably going to be one of the platforms that people are going to have to work with.
0: And is the commercial real estate space, uh, Duke, big enough for the amount of millions and millions of dollars that tech companies are invested in commercial real estate technology
3: um I, in the in the built environment the construction mm-hmm. and uh the the management and maintenance of the buildings very much so I think mm-hmm. it's big enough as far as the transactional stuff um that really gets down to workflow and some data, and I think we could just be so much better at it because and I've used this comparison many times you have the the stock market, which is a very transparent and functional marketplace a global marketplace. We're probably 20 years behind them in certain data sets and maybe five years behind the technology. So we can make some of those processes much more efficient and quicker and help make decisions better. So I'm not sure how big that can be. But, again, to go back to the other the other part of the, the buildings, like you say, all the different parts, uh, that could be endless, in my opinion, because it's such a major, you know, it's what? I don't know, 25% of the GDP, and everybody's got to work somewhere, generally, yeah. So there's always going to be that part. To
0: yeah, of it. that's a good point. And what about crowdfunding? You you kind of mentioned liquidity and 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 people investing in commercial real estate. You know, is crowdfunding the technology answer to possibly to that?
3: Um, I would say how I see that part of it going, um, it depends on the process itself. And I'll bring up something that's a little bit, you know, out there a little bit. And I, I could talk about blockchain, but I'm more interested in Part of what blockchain can do in the tokenization or the liquidization, liquidity of, of a property, let's say a property A, B, and C, and property A is you're able to trade tokens or shares of that company almost like on an exchange or a market. That is crowdfunding, in my opinion, but I also think it needs to be more secure and more, I won't say regulated, but maybe regulated. It has to be safe. Again, a little bit like the stock market. The other parts of the crowdfunding, I'm a little bit of a skeptic on, just because it still just looks like a REIT to me, that they're sourcing accredited or non-accredited investors. So I I think we can do something a little bit better along those lines. And if, if it liquidizes uh, uh, 20 or 30% of the market, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, therefore giving everyone access.
0: Yeah, well, it cer- certainly is a a clever way for somebody to get into large, nice commercial real estate properties with small amounts of money. But obviously, you've got to have, use the same due diligence uh, that you would. You look at the, the sponsor uh, and the property. You know, it's amazing that right now you could go online and invest in large commercial real estate projects with small amounts of money.
3: Yeah, I, again, I think it's awesome. But, you know, we're professionals. We're the ones that do it. And I just still worry about grandma out in Brooklyn getting <laughs> hammered by some scams, so it's I, I, not so much it's got to be legitimized, but I think it needs to be regulated and and be a fair marketplace, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I had a guy the other day calling, and he wanted to invest two hundred thousand dollars in a in a deal that we were putting together with a client, and uh, and so I asked him I said, "Well, this, whose money is this? This is my mom's," and I said. So she has a lot of other assets of other types all around. He said, no, this is all she has. <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. see what I'm
3: saying? Yeah.
0: I'm saying, no, no, you you're know. not. No, we're not doing this. Uh, I think it's a great <laughs> investment, but not for the entire amount of your funds. Well, yeah, dude, no we'll great information as usual. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you being on the show.
3: All right. Thank you so much, Michael. You do great stuff, and uh, I really love being on the show. All right. Well, stay with us.
0: We'll have more on the office sector. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, asset and occupancy solutions. Bomi.org, property and facility management education. CommercialAgentSuccess.com, video training from Michael Ball. To access these great companies or for more videos, podcasts, and articles, visit CREShow.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. The excitement is brought to you by commercialagentsuccess.com. Check it out for the ultimate commercial real estate broker training, and it is provided by yours truly, Michael Ball. All right, today we are talking about office. We're talking about office use strategies, the office market, office investment, and you're going to enjoy my next guest. What if you could? Walk into your tenant's office space. What if you had vacant office space that looked real, really good, had really nice uh, appearance to it, but you could use Google Maps for people to come in and actually view the space, and you could do it economically. Please welcome Steve Barnes. He is president of Barnes Creative Studios, and he's joining us in Studio One. Steve, thanks for being with us.
4: Thank you. So you said t- something that probably caught ears. Yeah. Cost conscious when it comes to commercial real estate. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. We work with a lot of it, so we're. Yeah excited that there's something actually powerful that is inexpensive, it usually shocks people.
0: Yeah, and we used it here, you did it for us and it was fantastic, so tell our audience about this Google Street View and how it works. It's not really, Street View is not really a good word for it, is it?
4: Well, what's interesting is Google thinks so. So now everything is called Street View. It used to be they separated it to Street View was the van drive by just pictures. In some businesses it comes up as a tree. I mean, you just don't know what it's going to get. And then they called the inside, Inside View. That was such a powerful name. Now it's all Google Street View. Now it's all one thing, but they don't really provide the interior walkthroughs. You, you get a Google partner like us at Barnes Creative Studios that comes in and creates the walkthrough kind of any way you want it. So, I mean, you really make the map come alive, yeah. which is huge, both yeah. from a consumer point of view and also B2B.
0: Right. And if you want to see an example, they can Google what Bull Realty. Bull Realty. Yeah, your yeah. office
4: here on Glen Lake.
0: Yeah, 50 Glen Lake Parkway, or go to 50 Glen Lake Parkway, right, Suite 600, or yeah. and go, you can go right in. So as you, your street map, you walk in through our double glass doors, and you can walk in and see our cafe and our, and right here and see the actual yeah. studio.
4: See the whole thing. Yeah. And there are all kinds of unique businesses everywhere doing this because mm-hmm. it adds a lot of contextual value. Yeah. Think about when you're selling, you know, your conglomerate of shopping centers or you're selling your multifamily. We're in the process of doing a big multifamily project right now where they're going in. If you want to think like a hotel and put, you know, the pool, the lobby, the front facade, the whatever area and the whatever area, and then the three models, the two bedroom, Mm -hmm. the one bedroom, blah, blah. blah. And you could walk around that entire place. Now you're open 24-7 for that guy from New York who's about to move here with his family He's searching on the map near his office, finds this apartment complex and just clicks and he's down in it and then can walk around. It's yeah. pretty powerful.
0: Yeah, yeah it, is, it is very good. Now, when you do uh, Google Street View or in, we used to be called Inside Google View, Street View, right? Uh, I think people think of when bringing a videographer in that it's going to be very time consuming and very expensive. What, what are some price points for this?
4: Um, that's a misconception. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, The Google providers set their own pricing. I purposely have set mine lower than most, and I think we deliver a superior product than many. Um, There are two resolutions. You can get 4K, which you hear that term thrown around a lot with video, but when you think of 360, it's in a 360 sphere, so it's really not 4K everywhere you're looking, it's more like 2K. And we also do 8K, which then is 4K all the way around, and just a lot of detailed stuff. But for commercial real estate, usually 4K is is sufficient. Yeah. each pod of five um, walkthrough areas, like so, in the at the pool at the apartment complex, five clicks is only three hundred ninety nine dollars.
0: Like, how many, if That's they nothing. look at well, Realty Realty, uh, you come in our space. How many? Do you remember how many pods? I think we, we did were? like fifteen. Fifteen. So you're okay.
4: looking at. Um, 1,200?
0: Yeah, and, and just can, under? And so you can go through our, our open pod areas. You can go into our... You can our, walk
4: through this whole place. The whole
0: game room, you go into our game room and all of that.
4: But what's so interesting is people who've watched you for a long time or who mm-hmm. know you and have never been here, mm-hmm. to see it, you have one of the most unique office spaces mm-hmm. out there that I've seen mm-hmm. with game rooms and places to hang out. And You have mm-hmm. like a lot... I think Van Halen was playing back there one day. <laughs> I mean, there are so many things going on. But you can just experience mm-hmm. that before you go, or mm-hmm. when you're gonna show someone, mm-hmm. the power of Google is pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. And, and local search, Google's putting, it's make, they're making it paramount in the whole schema for page ranking. Right.
0: Any other thoughts that uh, if someone who owns an office building, or they're trying to lease or, or, or manage an office building and, and help their, their client, that they could use this Google Street View, like does it, does it help with their SEO?
4: Absolutely. Okay. Google does not say how it helps with the SEO. There's no way that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's, they're not going to put it out, because they change their algorithm all the time. But when you take your Street View and you put it on your contact page and you embed it in the page, which is just like a YouTube embed, mm-hmm. it's the same concept that they do with YouTube, mm-hmm. contextual content. Yeah. When you've got a YouTube video with a transcript even attached, which makes it better, in your website and you sell cows and the video's about cows mm-hmm. and you're talking about cows, they bump up your search value. Right. Same thing with when you take your place. And now they're even making that more. And there are articles on my website at barnscreativestudios.com that support and explain all of this. But at some point, it becomes kind of fire hosing you with info. Mm-hmm. As they say, just trust me.
0: <laughs> it's
4: worth it. It <laughs> is very worth it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like I said, you. Steve did it for our building, our office, and you can walk in and check it out. So think about uh, recruiting, retention, thinking about uh, jobs and, you know, think about maybe doing it, contacting all your tenants in your building, and maybe offering a deal for each of them to contribute for this, for their space. Now all of a sudden, uh, maybe you're helping your tenants, but you're also helping the SEO and just the, the entire property. The
4: overall value of your... yeah. Property. Yeah. We do. I, I do a lot of work with C, a lot of work with CBRE, JLL, mm-hmm. people like that. And when they have leasing projects, mm-hmm. that's a big part of the pitch because mm-hmm. it's so powerful. Yeah. And what if you had a um, an office park that wasn't that sexy? And I get calls like this multiple times a week. We have an office park. We want to do some production, but we're going to renovate later because it's not that great. Well, Google's mm. awesome because it is what it is and you're down in it and you're not so much over it with a big drone shot that shows, oh, mm. this isn't that sexy. Mm. Well, when you're down in it and you're able to walk around, it just gives a different perspective. You're right, and, the, and it's a lot cheaper Yeah, to do it that way.
0: Yeah. I think we need to try that. I've got a, uh, an office complex that we're leasing in Sandy Springs and the outside it's, not all that sexy, as you would say, but when you go inside, it's got some cool spaces with dramatic transom windows and skylights. And so maybe that's a great product for that, for that building.
4: And that, the ability that you can take a link from anywhere. So taking that building, for example, Mm -hmm. say we did it, you're outside, then you walk in, you walk around the whole place, right? Mm -hmm. You can take the outside at the front door and embed that in your website or whatever, Mm -hmm. or take a link and just send it to to me, who Mm -hmm. maybe want to buy it. But you can also go into any of the rooms and Mm -hmm. basically grab the camera, the virtual camera, position it, Mm -hmm. looking at the cool windows, and take that link and Mm -hmm. send it to someone. So in one email, you could put five links to five key selling point areas of the property and put someone right in it. And from that point, they can walk around the rest of it. But just kind of a quick, kind of greatest hits to get them right to the position.
0: And if you wanted, is it possible with this Google now called Street View, to also have some of the views out the windows? Oh yeah. Okay, and you need to use the whole, 8K for that one? Yes. Okay.
4: 8K HDR, and yeah. without getting super technical, a camera eye does not mm-hmm. see like your eye, so if you're standing in a room, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful outside, a lot of people expect it's just going to look that way. Here's a little secret, they Photoshop and cheat that. You can't do that with Google. Google, it it needs to be what it is. Yeah. So you have to get a, a higher resolution camera that can yeah. actually see detail outside. So then that
0: price, for five pods would go up a little Grace bit? Grace yourself.
4: It only goes up $200. <laughs> okay. So, so you, $5.99 for five of those images. So it's great. So
0: even if you've got office space that maybe is not even not even built out yet, maybe it's an open shell, but it has a great view, you could use it and have it right on Google. We've
4: done some of those. With the views. We've done some of those yeah. where maybe um, a, a big project is coming up, a mixed use is the word I was looking for, a mixed use project starting from scratch, Mm -hmm. where we go out, capture it for Google, and then the construction update becomes changing that out every three months. Mm -hmm. So giving someone the ability to walk around, both with on the ground and from the air with drones. Mm -hmm. So you've greatly reduced the cost in an update, but you've also like recruitment, things Mm -hmm. like that, that you Mm -hmm. can now blast out, here's where we are, we're three months away, take a walk and look around, and you're not getting into, the sexy video is going to cost you money. Yeah. And, and we do those videos. Glad to sell you one. But it's just not always needed. Right. And I like to be honest about stuff like that because it's not worth me selling you some crazy video when all you really need is to show the space.
0: And we like it, Steve, that you're honest. Just, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. I, it I is. saw
4: that there was a need for lower end material. Yeah. And I actually love the Google. I think it's powerful Google stuff.
0: Oh, it's awesome. With the SEO and the look show, check it out on our website. Steve, thanks for being with us. Great information. Thank you. Very welcome. And thank you for being with us around the world, around the country. Let us know what you think. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate you sharing the show. And be sure to join us next week. Until then, be sure you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click advertise at the show website, creshow.com.